Welcome to the Building Doctor Show with Jens Johansson. Welcome to the Building Doctor Show, everybody. I am your host, Jens Johansson, and I'm glad to see you here to learn more about your buildings today. Today, we're going to be talking about attorneys and specifically HOA attorneys. And so the differences, sometimes we'll talk about construction defect attorneys or insurance recovery and claim attorneys. And today is specializing in HOA attorneys. So as you know, your HOA or your condominium is a legal entity that is responsible for running your property. And they will need an attorney for um, you know, legal experience for collection efforts, for contract reviews, for dispute resolutions, and governing governing things and compliance things to help you run your building better and more efficiently. So today we're welcome. We're excited to have Amy. And Amy, are are you able to turn on your screen and video and? There we go. There she is. Hey there. Welcome to the show, Amy. Amy Thank is you. A yeah, Amy's a partner at the Laurel Law Group. And we're going to talk about how, you know, how having an HOA attorney in your corner is beneficial to you. And the best part is at the live Q&A at the end of this, you'll be able to get to talk to an attorney for free, right? So tell us a little bit about yourself, Amy, and, and why you wanted to be on the show today. Sure. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Um, as Jess mentioned, I am a partner at Laurel Law Group. Uh, we do have a practice area that focuses on representing, I call it community associations collectively for you know HOAs and condos. Mm -hmm. uh, we're located in Western Washington. So I am a Washington licensed attorney. I've been practicing law for almost 20 years. Mm -hmm. Um and most of that focused on community associations, some other fun little things, you know, like family law, <laughs> um, you know, but just um, and, and civil litigation, which has uh, really helped my uh, condo or HOA practice. Um, I, uh, I am also a member of the Washington State Chapter of Community Association Institute. I have um, participated, you know, in educational seminars. I've written uh, some uh, for for uh, some articles for its magazine. And then, um, interesting point, gents. I think you and I have been working together on various building projects um, for, gosh, over on and off for over the last ten years. So, um, yeah. so yeah. we have a. A history together, which is great. Um, I wanted to come on the show. I think this is a fun way of connecting the audience with um, information related to you know community associations, and hopefully, you get some good information out of it. Yeah, awesome. Yeah, one of the things I've always appreciated about Amy is that she is pleasant. She's pleasant to work with. She she's fun. <laughs> But I've seen her, <clears throat> you do not want to be on the other side. When she gets angry at somebody, watch out, run. So anyway, the uh, she'll make it fun. So we are going to run run our poll. As, as you know, we like to tailor our answers to make sure that we're, you know, talking to the right groups. So we're going to put that poll out there. If you'll take a moment to fill that out. And while we're talking to you, 
just kind of the disclaimer section, you know, whenever you have lawyers involved, um, we just have to say the show is for educational content only. We're not giving legal, financial, or engineering advice, and I'm not a medical doctor. Uh, and, and we're not selling anything, so put your credit cards away. We've, you know, we're just people on the internet trying to help you run your buildings better, and we've seen what's worked for thousands of people with their building problems, and we want to share that with you in hopes that it benefits you. And if it does benefit you, do us a favor, like it, subscribe, follow, comment, uh, wherever you're watching this. If you're on the, if, if you're on the live, you can, you can still comment in that, but later it'll be on YouTube and, and other areas. So share it. This helps us expand our reach. So let's jump back into the polls and see where everybody's at. There's a lot of people in Washington, Oregon, managers, board members. Uh, how'd you hear about the show? That's good. Uh, have you ever been through a repair process? Yes, 60 plus percent of you have been through it. So there's the results for people. So the live details are stick around. This is the live part of the show that's so much fun. At the end of it, we have a Q&A and we know it's Tuesday at 3.30. It's hard to hard to be here live, but we appreciate the uh, everybody in attendance, 130 of you are signed up for it. And so, you know, the replays will be good as well. But uh, stay tuned for that live section. We'll also be doing some giveaways. Brooke and now Ben will be monitoring the chats and Q&A. So welcome them. And uh, they'll make sure that we get our questions in that Q&A panel. So again, questions in the Q&A section and chats are kind of more for us distributing things. So stick around. All right, let's get into the show. Oh, first, Amy, do you have any good lawyer jokes? Is, is now a good time for lawyer jokes? What's your favorite lawyer joke? Amy? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I, I don't do lawyer jokes. That's, I just don't. Um, <clears throat> good i was trying to catch yeah, you off yeah. guard and you know, i know okay. you did but i i just don't do them i you know i've heard them being made fun of and i pretend i'm not a lawyer when i hear them right. and chime in so you it's know because kind it's of hard it? it's like i'm glad i'm not one glad i'm not one yeah yeah all right we'll move on no lawyer jokes the uh okay so today today's agenda like any in today's show frankly like any of our shows is is brought to you by questions that get submitted to us or questions that we are hearing in in our day-to-day -day operations. And a lot of the questions we hear is, hey, why, why, why do I need an attorney? Is, aren't they expensive? Is this a pain? You know, what is a CCNR? So we're gonna start off by kind of defining CCNRs, covenants, bylaws, governing documents, and everybody's gonna argue about this, but we're gonna kind of put it together into a package and Amy can tell us some of the differences there. And then number two, what do HOA attorneys do specifically and why should we have one? How do we effectively use our attorney's time so that, you know, hey, they're, they're expensive. So how do we keep them, you know, moving along efficiently? When to call your attorney. And this will be a fun one. Issues that have become more common since 2020. Uh, you can probably guess, but that'll be a good one. Uh, hey, I'm putting together my budget for the first time. How much do, how much do attorneys really cost? We can give you some kind of guidelines there common bylaw revisions. So your, your, your bylaws or, or documents are probably old. They probably benefit the developer. Uh, here's some real common ones you can do. And then interview questions for hiring an attorney. We've got a few tidbits there. 
But then this is a fun one, nightmare stories and disbanding the HOA. Uh, Amy and I have worked through a, kind of a big one. And we'll, we'll talk to you about, you know, is the grass really green or should we really disband the band, the community and go back to just single family homes and, and that type of thing. So stick around for that. All right. Definitions was kind of the first one. So let's just briefly talk about definitions. What what do you define definitions of as, Amy? Oh, sure. So um, so the governing documents of the association um, involve many different individual documents. Um, usually you have the documents that create either the condominium or um, the HOA. And those involve two primary documents, um, for an, uh, an HOA, it would be a plat map and then your covenants, conditions, and restrictions. Uh, those are recorded uh, with the, the county um, recorder's office, and they bind um, all subsequent owners and purchasers uh, with respect to their restrictions. So they set forth, you know, the things that, um, you know, they form the association, but then set forth what an association can do, what, um, you know, terms, you know, or conditions of use, what's, what is restricted, what's prohibited. Um, I failed to mention for condominiums, it's the survey map and plans, and then they have the same, the covenants, conditions, and restrictions. Um, other documents that govern associations are your bylaws. Bylaws are really contain more of the administrative um uh, functioning of the association. So uh, they they will uh, describe, like, for example, meetings, um, what kind of notice is required, um, what constitutes a quorum. So in order to do business at a, at a meeting, you have to have a quorum. It's a minimum percentage to do business. Um, how to conduct like a special meeting, what type of notice is required, who can call mm -hmm. it, um, so those kind of uh, functional things, uh, running running for the board, who is qualified, uh, terms of board members, um, okay. you know, when when can, you know, the membership, um, you know, remove a director and how does that work? Right, uh, right. Yeah. Right. Yep, so so as, as far as talking about them all at once in a nice package, are we wrong saying, hey, look at your governing documents? Because that's kind of the broad or or by, or bylaws or CCNRs? How should we say? I, I would say look at your governing documents. I mean, primarily you want the documents, the the either the plat map or survey map mm -hmm. and plans, and then the covenants, conditions, and restrictions, because those mm -hmm. those documents will supersede or take place of any other of the I call them like the lower level documents. So if gotcha. if they have a provision in it, um, that is you know, res more restrictive, but the bylaws conflict, the, the CCNRs or the plat maps would supersede the bylaws. Gotcha. Okay, cool. So from that standpoint, yeah. Okay, awesome. So yeah. now all the, all the managers on here are going to be debating and arguing. No, I'm joking. But if you're a board member and you don't know the difference, there is a difference between these things. And, and that, that would be a good reason why you know, you'd want an HOA attorney to help you with that governance, to help you with, you know, what document do I use? How do I remove a crazy board? Or, you know, what, what do we need to do here as far as voting? So, right. you know, what does an HOA attorney do for the association? I kind of hinted at those five things in the intro, but 
you know, go for it. What, what are the, what are the things you like to do or that are important to do? Yeah, it's, um, so primarily we work with the association's board and if there's a property manager, also the uh, mm -hmm. property manager and, uh, in terms of governance of the association's affairs. Um, so it's a very, very broad range of things. Um, mm -hmm. it can be, you know, something pertaining to the day-to-day -day operations that can be collection of past due assessments or like mm -hmm. even establishment of a collection policy. Mm -hmm. um, it can be enforcement of the governing documents. Um, if you have, you know, an obnoxious owner who paints their house bright purple and it doesn't, you know, comply with the association's, um, you know, uh, you know, standards. So there's like community-wide standards or there might be actual, um, you know, uh, like a painting palette that they're mm -hmm. they're required to follow. Um, Not it would be something, board. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It'd be mm -hmm. something like that. Um, also, you know, attorneys tend to be the fall guy. We handle or fall gale. Um, we handle difficult owners, difficult opposing counsel, and in just those types of situations where it's like, wow, you know, can you help us, Amy? You know, this owner's being really difficult. They're harassing the board. You know, and I'm like, absolutely, I'll send them, you know, a cease and desist and have them, you know, contact my office directly if they have continued issues or things that they want to bring to the association's attention, right. but also that they need to do it in a courteous and civil manner, um, yeah, you know, so that, that kind of stuff. Board members have to live next to them. They've got to go to the mailbox together. And, and sometimes it's, you're, you're like the baseball manager hired to be fired. And so it's, it's, you go do the dirty stuff, the mean stuff. I need to be a neighbor. And so, okay. Yeah. That's another place. I'm assuming contract reviews, all that kind of basic stuff or. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Contract um, reviews, um, governing document reviews and amendments, uh, mm -hmm. drafting rules and regulations and those typically govern owner conduct you know um gotta pick up your 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 pet waste you know quiet hours or you know during this time mm -hmm. uh updating associations on new laws there's actually been quite a bit of legislation at least here in the state of right. washington over the last couple of years mm -hmm. and so uh we're constantly getting reports from the state um, updating us of what's going on with respect to those laws. So it's so, kind of like taxes, the tax law changes, the, the condo law changes. And so if you're an association that hasn't had a review or hasn't worked with an attorney for a while, uh, you're probably about six generations of law changes behind. And it's good to, good to check in. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Otherwise it's like running blind. And, you know, um, I've seen associations not properly adopting their budgets even um just because what happens they, when that happens when there's a when there's an illegal vote and an improper adoption what happens can can people get out of the assessment well you know that that would depend on many different factors but uh you know potentially potentially right. that could be an issue um and you know owners become upset when they think that the association is following a particular process that was incorrect, and then you change the process, and they think right. then they think that the association is doing something wrong. So right. it's upsetting, and it, it can lead to, you know, conflict, potentially litigation, um, e even though the association is now trying to go on the right path. Yep. Yep. Okay. All good questions. Let's go to the next one. So. 
how to effectively use your HOA attorney. You talked a little bit about that of enforcing policies and and uh, you know mediating disagreements. What does what does training or insurance deductibles mean or good property managers and consultants? Sure. Um, well, if usually a, a, a property manager will be able to provide um, the board with some good training. Um, mm -hmm. Property managers don't always have all of the information or like the current laws or things that may be helpful in helping the board with their procedures. Um, but, uh, as, you know, part of that would be establishing policies, maybe advice about what to say or what not to say to owners who are in collection, for example. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and uh, other other matters can involve how to handle difficult owner meetings, um, you know, how how to address the membership, especially sometimes we get very vocal owners who, who they're really upset and just, you know, trying to be reasonable, but asking them politely, you know, to um, to be courteous and you know, and, and then having the policies to fall back on that. So it's like, hey, if, you know, you're asked three three times, you're out of the meeting, you know, that kind of thing. Right. Um, so assisting the board to get them, you know, ready and prepared for those kind of um, situations. Uh, with respect to insurance deductibles, um, that can apply, you know, in terms of a, a question of, Hey, can I assess this deductible to to an owner for this loss, or is this something that the association needs to absorb? So, effectively using your attorney. Sometimes managers aren't even really sure. It just kind of depends on the situation, right. uh, and it depends on the governing documents. But um, you know, so it's always good to reach out and say, Hey, is this is this something we can do? Who's responsible? Uh, you know, we need a little bit of input here. Yeah, a couple episodes we we had an insurance broker on and we talked about the third floor had a flood and it affected second and first floor. Whose policy pays for what? And some of these things are common elements, some aren't. And so uh, I think what the insurance broker was saying, it's all per the contract or the insurance policy and having, having somebody like yourself allocate that or explain how this is going to go down. Absolutely. And then on the last point is um, directing the association board to the resources it needs for this situation. So if I have an association that, you know, let's say they're coming up on a potential statute of limitations issue for a construction defect claim, and maybe they've had a visual inspection and, you know, sometimes things look, you know, well, this building's only three years old, but it's kind of showing signs that this wasn't well constructed, mm -hmm. you know, I'd recommend them, you know, to you. Um, there's, you know, there's other issues involved, like maybe a geotech is needed for, um, you know, a land erosion issue. Um, you know, there's all sorts of um, resources that associations need, um, uh, you know, just so as, as I'm a resource, you know, directing um, the board or, or the property manager to good resources mm. to handle the situation. Yeah. Yeah. Good. Okay. When to call your, your attorney. And so here's, here's some bullet points. And I think one of the first ones is, so it's a lot like we'll say as consultants, you don't need a consultant to do, to paint the fence, just call a painter, take care of it. And so this first one is, Look, I'm, you're not here to do the first steps of, you know, negotiating and issuing notices and things like that. But 
now that we're on step three or four, now we can bring an attorney in. And so is it, it this gets back to the efficiency question of you're not doing all the work for these people and they can't abdicate everything of management to you, but talk a little bit more about that. Sure. Um, I think an important part of, you know, this, this first point uh, addresses either collection or enforcement issues typically. Mm -hmm. And so it's really important in a in an association for the board to follow the processes set forth in their governing documents. So there's usually like an enforcement or collection policy. And if it's really not an emergency, it's quite unfair to an owner to, you know, to have like one notice sent and who knows what happened. Maybe they missed it in the mail. Sometimes that happens. Um, but then all of a sudden they're, you know, they're hearing from an attorney and mm -hmm. that feels quite unreasonable. Yeah. And, you know, honestly, if it's litigated, it can appear unreasonable to the court and the court might document some attorney's fees for that, even mm -hmm. though ultimately the owner didn't comply. So, so it's really, um, really important to try to go through those first steps. I mean, obviously if there's a question about what needs to be done, definitely call the attorney. But mm -hmm. but fulfilling those steps uh, is is definitely um, a good thing to do. But then obviously it's like okay, we've done what we're supposed to do, and they're just not they're just not doing it. We really right. need your assistance. Yep, that would be yeah. Okay, and then legal proceedings. We've got bankruptcy notices. You know, it's it's foreclosures or things like that. We've got liens and threats of liens or even lawsuits. You know, against the board or between residents or neighbor to neighbor. You know that that kind of thing. Insurance claims. We talked about a little bit, but really understanding. You know, kind of. In lots when you get lots of different parties, they kind of all look at each other and expect the other party to do something. And sometimes they need to be told what to do. And sometimes an attorney letter with attorney letterhead kind of motivates them. <clears throat> so yeah, <laughs> yeah, that that that's really true. Um, yeah, definitely any type of legal notice, uh, bankruptcies mm -hmm. can can affect what an association can do because of the bankruptcy stage. So it's important. It's like ooh, bankruptcy notice. Stop the stop the delinquency letters. Stop the uh, violation notices. Mm -hmm. Contact the attorney. Um, you know, with any litigation, there's deadlines also involved. So that's important mm -hmm. to um, get in front of the attorney so they can protect the association's interests. Um, mm -hmm. Talked about the in there. There's a statute of limitations deadline. That's one of the bullet points. The statute of limitations is the amount of time that a plaintiff has to make a claim against the other party. Mm -hmm. And so let's just talk about collections for a second. In Washington, it's three years for condominiums and then for HOAs, it's six years. Mm -hmm. So um, as you move forward in, in time, you lose the right to collect those assessments that are three years or older. Uh, I'm sorry, older than three years for condos or older than six years for HOA. So mm -hmm. the association is losing its ability to, uh, to collect. Okay. Um, yeah, so those are, you know, those are really important things to look out for. Uh, resale certificates and seller disclosures, um, property managers and boards, this update, it's, it's important to update those things, particularly if you're aware of damages or huge repairs to the buildings that um, you know, potentially there might be a, a um, special assessment, but obviously would impact a, a 
prospective buyer, it's important to disclose those things. Um, there's mm -hmm. other things that need to be disclosed, like uh, pending litigation. So uh, it's always good to contact the attorney. Hey, can you help us um, uh, with the resale cert mm -hmm. and make sure it provides the information needed? Okay. What about what about squatters or somebody's kind of broken in and they're inside? Is that more of a police issue to kick them out, or is that called the attorney because we have to deal with them specifically? Are there rules around that? You know, I'm thinking major metropolitan areas, somebody's broken in and they're just living there. Yeah, yeah, those are you know those are interesting and they're also kind of complicated issues. Mm -hmm. Um, so the you know I guess the first question is you know the owner obviously it's a vacant property is you know mm -hmm. it seems like um the the uh, owner can be it's a bur huge burden to the association because the owner is the one who is really responsible for like a quiet title action to have them removed or mm -hmm. um some other form of um legal action where you know a writ is issued and the sheriff can come in and remove the squatter it's mm -hmm. a little bit more difficult for the association. It it um, depends on what provisions are available in the governing documents, but it's, you know, it's also really ex expensive. So it's kind of a, the plan of attack could depend on, you know, like I said, the provisions, how much, you know, the association wants to allocate. Um, unfortunately, I've seen um, law enforcement really not having the resources to respond. Mm -hmm. Right. Uh, occasionally they will, um, but it's it's been very difficult uh, and it's put a huge extra burden on associations that can be very expensive. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is a tent is a tent city up in the woods on your property? Is that similar? It's not quite in somebody's unit, but um, you know, there's there's some problems over it's, in the corner a, of the yeah, property. Yeah, it's allowing it's allowing um, it's like a temporary residence on the right. property, and those are usually restricted by the governing documents. So, I mean, you could cite, you know, you could cite the owner and try to compel the owner to have mm -hmm. to take care of this situation, and and have the squatters or the temporary encampment um, removed. Mm -hmm. removed from the property um but it's not an easy or quick process right um and right. it's not inexpensive yep okay yes. all right you you like what she's putting down here reach out to amy if you got any questions here's her email phone e email or email is amy at laurellawgroup.com phones 206-745-2044 and you can check her out at laurellawgroup.com so if you have questions, reach out. She will be happy to talk to you. All right. Current issues. What are the hot button topics right now in the post-COVID area era? And you know, we've got some bullet points up there, but what what are you seeing that are it's a little different? Yeah. Um, you know, it seems like COVID and the lockdowns, it's really had an effect on, on people and people's mm -hmm. ability to live together. Um, so when we're looking at our HOAs and condominiums and people living closely together, it's been, um, there's been a huge uh, uptick in non-compliance. Um, you know, we have pets listed there. It's like, well, what does that mean? Um, uh, it was really interesting uh, as, as we got closer to the holidays, um, things really started to heat up and I had 
two different condominium associations, like within a week or two of each other, experienced the same issue of the owner allowing their pet to, to urinate and defecate on the deck. And it was dripping below to the, to the um, condo mm. units and their decks below. Was this during the freeze and, and it was kind of cold and they didn't want to go out and they just let them poop on the deck? Um, it was actually, it was right before that. So oh. I, I don't know if it's, uh, you know, if it was just, I, I'm lazy. I don't want to walk my dogs. Um, who knows what the situation was, but you know, the association had to get involved and have everything cleaned up and professionally mm -hmm. cleaned. Um, I mean, owners, you know, neighbors were upset. I mean, they saw urine on their cars or urine on their deck railings and Right. Um, it was actually pretty gross. Um, so, yeah. so you get that kind of behavior. Mm -hmm. um, we've had some uh, interesting and uh, troubling behavior with rentals, rental mm -hmm. units, holdover tenants um, who just increasingly, um, I, I believe, but I, I can't confirm they were using drugs. They were, um, mm -hmm. and they were becoming uh, mentally affected by that uh, punching holes through the unit into the neighboring mm. unit walls, um, accessing accessing the attic space. We actually had to connect with you, gents, for that one um, to to design something to secure those attic spaces because this tenant figured out a way how to get up through the attic space and crawl over into the neighboring unit. Uh, he was stealing things. He would enter the unit in the middle of the night while well, this is uh, going to freak everybody out you know that yeah. attic <laughs> access hatch you have in your bedroom closet or your laundry room closet this guy was going up through his crawling through the attic and then finding yours and crawling down into yours and stealing your jewelry and who knows what creepy it, <clears> it <throat> was really creepy and the thought of of you know I mean, not just what he was doing, but what he could be doing what or could, could have be. done. Yeah. 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 Um, that, yeah. that was really disturbing. So we're seeing a lot of um, bad behaviors between right. owners um, or tenants. And uh, I think it's so stress or it's just, it just, or it's, you know, nobody's going to, you know, the police can't chase me down anymore or you know what what in society i guess society all these different levels are playing and it's just behavior bad behavior is on the uptick is what you're saying yeah yep wow. um okay. hmm. the authority to borrow that really stems from so we've got these older associations you know hmm. and as you know associations are aging um oftentimes they're under reserves so they haven't done the reserve studies or adequately funded the reserves throughout the years and so now they have this major oh we've discovered we have all this damage and while we're trying to recover hopefully insurance to cover a portion of it we're going to need quite a bit more money and in order to effectively repair the condominium as you know um you know, an association really needs to do the entire repair all at one time and really not wait for several years to, you know, collect a lump sum special assessment from owners. Right. So the authority to borrow in the governing documents is, you know, I've seen a lot of that, you know, obviously more with the older uh, associations than the the newer ones. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, you know, then, of course, 
some owners get suspicious. Well, we don't want the board to have the authority to borrow. And it's, you know, so you explain the process and it's like, well, yeah, subject to owner approval, you know, that kind of thing. And it takes a little bit because they're on edge, you know, oh, you know, now you want to push this envelope and have more authority to do things. It's like, well, we need to make repairs and we need to have the ability to do it. We don't have 1.2 1.2 million dollars in our reserve account so you know we gotta we gotta figure out some other other ways to get this done i i haven't sat on the inside of that discussion so that's good to point out it's not not only is there you know there's always you know what's this new board gonna do and i'm wary of them but now i'm giving them approval to go get a loan without my approval and so yeah as, as board members or managers kind of talking about that well it's 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 got strings attached to it and here's what it is and here's what it's for so, sure sure yeah. yeah and you know we we do in drafting those types of amendments um you know a couple of important things one both legally and then for requirements of any lender who will give you know it's a it's a commercial construction loan to an association um, there's certain language that absolutely has to be in the governing documents in order for the association to even be able to get get for uh, get a loan. Um, right. But then, you know, understanding too the the language in there isn't like this carte blanche. Hey, we can just take out a loan for 1.2 million dollars without any owner oversight and approval. I mean, there's you know you know the association can apply for the loan, but then it has to present the information have the owners vote on it. So it's not just a carte blanche um, right. ability to, to borrow money. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. So this slide, cost of an attorney, this is just more of a real quick high level. And it comes from, we'll get it from older communities saying, I have never used an attorney. I'm trying to get my budget up to speed. I'm, I'm watching your videos, gents, and I need to set my reserve study right. And so in that reserve study, we've got to have a line item for legal services and so can you give us some kind of bracket of just, hey, can you help us, you know, in year one, get it sorted out and kind of up to speed. And then maybe year two and on, there's some kind of ongoing average. I know we can't, you know, special projects can take a life of their own, especially pee and poop all over cars. And, and uh, you know, that, that those are special projects. But as far as what would you tell a board saying, look, just put 10 grand into your budget or five grand, you know, something. What, what would you tell them? Sure. Well, you know, obviously, like you point out, you know, you go from, you know, an attorney or a, an association really hasn't had much or any guidance uh, mm-hmm. from an attorney versus maybe maybe they haven't consulted with an attorney in a couple of years. But, you know, for the most part, they've been up to speed for, for most things. So you have a really broad range of getting things sorted out and up to speed. Um, you know, if you have a hot mess, I call it a hot mess because it's like everything really needs to, you know, some major work. There's a lot of issues and it's going to be time intensive. I mean, you can look at 30,000 plus in attorney's fees, um, sure. to get things sorted out, get, you know, get the, you know, the CCNR amendments, um, that are necessary, um, mm-hmm. You know, uh, to and sometimes it's CCNRs, bylaws, and rules. I mean, it can be the whole gambit of things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, getting the you know the board to, um, you know, adopting the budgets appropriately. Um, mm-hmm. You know, and help helping them get that all set up. 
Um, right. you know, so it's, it can be a real hot mess. I mean, if, if, <laughs> if you're on the other, other end, other spectrum of things, I mean, maybe, maybe five grand, you know, mm -hmm. give or take, I mean, it, it obviously is just case specific, but. Right. Are, are these expensive reviews and revisions of bylaws and, re, you know, really getting us cleaned up from the last 20 years? Is that, can we take that out of reserves? It's kind of, or, or again, you'd have to review those documents to say what can reserves be spent on. So well, 30000 might be hard to put into a budget. There's state law governing the reserves. And okay. the reserves are for maintenance, repair, and replacement of the, the common element um, okay. facilities of the associations. So okay. if, if there is something, however, if there is something that the association uh, has an urgent thing come up and yeah, they need, they need to pull out a chunk of money to, you know, have an attorney help them out. They mm -hmm. can do that, but they have to propose replenishment of those reserves okay. uh, in I believe it's a 24 month repayment schedule unless that becomes, unless the board determines that that's a huge detriment to the, the homeowners. Yeah. So, okay. so it's, yeah. it's, it's a possibility, but again, working your way through the, through the things. Okay. Right. So right. yeah. Um, all right. Common bylaw revisions, and we're not going to read the fine print folks, but just these four mm -hmm. items, uh, Amy said, these are the top four things that I would really, if I just had limited time to help you with, I would just immediately go here. So why don't you break those down for us? For us? Yeah. Um, so I've had um, a lot of requests for rental restrictions in condominiums um, and uh, associations, uh, condo associations have had just so many difficulties, particularly with tenants. Mm -hmm. uh, and in that, there's been many studies done with respect to um, tenant uh, occupancy versus owner occupancy. And those studies find that tenants tend to violate the governing documents more often. Um, they tend to, you know, just kind of um, wear, put more wear and tear on a unit mm -hmm. in the surrounding facilities and an owner would because they just, it's not it's not really their problem per se. It's, you sure. know, it's just a rental, um, right. you know, governing conduct or, or um, giving the association options for enforcing against tenant tenants and authority. So for example, you know, if you got this crazy tenant who's punching holes in the wall and accessing mm -hmm. the attic space, you mm -hmm. know, if the owner's not going to take uh, action and have them evicted, um, the the governing document should give the association the right and ability to do that. That's and a good point. Yeah. 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 Because um, unfortunately, sometimes you get an owner who says, oh, gosh, I don't want to deal with this. I don't know how to do it or I don't want to pay the legal fees to do it. You know, then the association has to step in and sometimes it can get fairly urgent. And so you're um, even saying have a, you know, if the association has to step in and do that to back charge the back charge the owner. I mean, this is right. And that's the other piece of it is specifying that those fees and costs are are will be an assessment to the um to the unit owner uh, mm -hmm. to ensure that the association is protected uh gotcha. with all respects on that. Okay. Um so Sorry. so 
Yeah, rental restrictions, you know, are a big one. We talked about authority to borrow. That's been a pretty big one. And, you know, the aging, aging buildings and need to be able to borrow money to cover significant expenses. Um, shifting provision for insurance deductibles um, and, and uninsured expenses. So this, a, a lot of older uh, associations governing documents are, um, don't really cover that topic very clearly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the best, the best way to prevent an argument is to have clear governing documents, clear language that says, yes, owner, you're responsible for the insurance deductible and any uninsured, you know, expenses if the loss comes from your unit, for example. Right. Um, so, and, and that, um, you know, and so that has become really popular and because there's been an uptick in insurance claims with aging buildings, you know, you got lot, lots of water events that can increase the cost of the insurance. So oftentimes the association has to increase the cost of the, you know, the deductible to reduce or keep the premium at a reasonable rate. Right. Um, and then recovery of attorney's fees. Um, some associations do not have not even a prevailing party attorney fee recovery if there's like an enforcement action and and, and they file a lawsuit. But even you know pre-litigation, um, the the CCNRs really need to address that, particularly with enforcement. Um, it can be very unfair if a board finds that an owner is has violated the governing documents. They've been asked multiple times to comply and they fail to do so. Attorneys hired to help, you know, the situation and hopefully get compliance. And um, for the all the owners to bear the cost of that and not the responsible party is, is pretty unfair. Right, right. Yeah, I think what a lot of people don't understand necessarily is that the when the developer goes to build the community, the developer is the board until enough sales have happened. So then the HOA assumes the board control and now the developer is not the board anymore. And so there's that transfer of power. And so for the first, however long, these are the developer's bylaws. And so you'll see some, uh, I mean, horrifically comedy, uh, horrific comedy, of just, you can't sue me, uh, you know, I'm in charge and this is my condo and it's not old, so you're not going to need any maintenance and, uh, you know, whatever insurance stuff that happens later. So I'm not going to talk about it. And so you'll get, you'll get this document. It's like, whoa, wow, that's not written for the association. That's not written for the resident board and, and association to run it. And so actually revising these documents and then getting these things in there uh, and making it not so one-sided to the original owner or developer. And so. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Right. Yep. It, it definitely hamstrings an association and, you know, mm -hmm. often needs an amendment to sort it mm -hmm. out for sure. And we've, we've been talking about number three for the past few months on this show. And so this shifting provisions, and sometimes your just think of your deductible right now. So sometimes your HOA deductible starts at 25K. And so do you want a way to, you know, hey, I don't want to have to pay that every single time. If they, they knowingly cause something, 
they should be paying for it. And especially if, if I have to hire, equip up to deal with a person not behaving well, uh, they should be paying our attorney's fees, not the, not the residents that are all abiding by the law. So boards look at these things and, you know, top four things that probably every one of your bylaws needs to, needs to look at and needs to think about. So um, finding a great attorney, what, you know, not, not to go through every interview question, but what, what, Amy, what's your perspective on how does, how does a board go about hiring a good HOA attorney? Well, I mean, obviously you want someone who does have experience in, in the, the field, not, not just a real estate attorney, but someone specifically experienced with community associations. It's a mm -hmm. very niche area uh, of real estate law. Mm -hmm. um, you know, have them have the attorney talk about their experiences, you know, what kind of amendments have they drafted or what kind of, you know, cases, you know, if, if it's litigation, what kind of cases, you know, have they, um, have they taken and taken to court? Um, you know, those, those kinds of things. Um, you want an attorney that is the board feels comfortable with, they can discuss the issues, they feel like the attorney is um, receiving well the information, but also able to, you know, it's the legal ease, um, the, the translation of the Sanskrit governing documents that you're, you've been trying to figure out. <laughs> And, and how, how it all works. Um, sometimes uh, community association attorneys have to make presentations to the members mm -hmm. and um, helping the members understand and support a proposed CCNR amendment. So, right. um, you know, so you want an attorney who you think would present well that way. Right. Uh, we have support staff. A good association attorney will have support staff. They're often... Um, the right arm of the attorney in terms of moving things along, connecting with boards and, and property managers, like for collection issues and, mm -hmm. and that kind of thing. Um, I, and another thing we don't have it down there is that you want a community association attorney who's responsive. Right. I really try my best to respond to emails and mm -hmm. I get a lot of them from property managers and board members within 24 to 48 hours, um, having an attorney who's super responsive to help keep things going, address urgent issues um, is, is really critical in this area of practice. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. There's some interview questions for everybody when they go to talk to, talk to hiring somebody. Okay. Let's get into the nightmare stories. We probably got about five to seven minutes on this and then we'll jump into Q and A. Uh, do you want to set the table for this one we worked on, or do you want me to? And then here's some other issues around that. But yeah, well, sure, we'll just jump right into it. Um, so this is when uh, it was an older condominium and uh, needed significant repairs. Um, I I think it was upwards of six million dollars worth of repairs, so it was quite a bit. And as as anyone can imagine, that would freak freak out the membership. Um, even, however, this was also kind of a rowdy crowd. Mm -hmm. And so it was difficult to be reasonable with them. Um, right. and although this association, you know, I think they did a pretty good job and, you know, in trying to coordinate, here's our experts and here's the presentations. Um, it seemed like there wasn't quite enough time for these owners to digest it. So when it came to 
the vote to do we approve do we proceed with repair or not you have to vote to repair or not repair Mm -hmm. They decided they would try to avoid the special assessment by voting not to repair the damage to the condominium. And that in turn, so that, that was 67%, uh, which is quite high. Uh, that, mm -hmm. that was the approval that was, or the percentage required to, um, to vote against uh, the repair. Mm -hmm. And so unfortunately that in turn disbanded the association. So what that meant is instead of having this association entity subject to the condominium act, these owners were now tenants in common and they were also all responsible for communicating with each other about repair of their building and, and you know, landscaping, maintenance issues, all of that stuff. So it was um, really not a, a good thing at all for this association. Yeah, the, uh, so, the, the rowdy or the mob mentality sounds really good when, you know, on one side of the coin, it's, heck no, we're not going to do this assessment. And then on the other side of the coin, hey, wait a minute, who's now in charge of mowing the lawn because the grass is kind of long? Are we supposed to mow our 164th of the lawn and you're not doing your part? And why doesn't my cable work? Who's paying the cable bill? Oh, we all have to get cable now. Oh, darn. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. Oh, who's going to insure us in this situation? Right. You know, who's <laughs> How do we I pay mean, insurance? It's, <clears throat> it's a, yeah, it's a really tricky situation. And so the, um, the board was very proactive about um, getting the condominium status reinstated. They had to get 100% consent of each and every owner. And that took time. It took some of some of the owners had to be taken to court because they just wouldn't respond or they were yeah. like, well, that's your problem. I don't care. And yeah. and so we had to have a, a receiver appointed in those situations. And so it was an expensive and, um, you know, an uncertain process uh, because mm -hmm. we didn't know if we would get this thing reinstated. And, and fortunately, we did. We did. And um, then, but it, as you it know, took eight months to get it turned back on again. Yeah, yeah, I would say at least eight months. It wasn't a quick and easy process. They lost a year of time, and I don't even know how much money. I mean, can you give us a magnitude of <laughs> to disband and to reband? Is that a hundred thousand dollar? request yeah i was i was wow. you know i was estimating it was probably around ninety thousand in fees going through that whole wow. process and the you know couple of um lawsuits against the owners that we had to deal with um mm -hmm. it wasn't cheap and right. you know it really seemed you know there were a lot of rumors going around with this association you know that mob mentality mm -hmm. you know and information was presented to an effort to um calm the owners and clarify what's going on mm -hmm. and you know it was just you know looking back at it perhaps more town hall style meetings you right. know so not necessarily like a special meeting but um providing informational meetings yeah from the experts in it you know in advance to give the owners time to digest right but you know, at the same time, when you hear that there's going to be this giant, you know, it's, you know, all this damage, this giant special assessment, 
uh, even with recovery, they, you know, they had a decent recovery on their insurance claim. Mm -hmm. Even with that, um, they were still completely freaked out. And so it's a difficult situation for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So yeah, kind of be careful what you wish for. It's that we've actually seen that. And, you know, I, I hear some, you know, Hey, what if we just disbanded this condo and did it on our own? And I was like, Ooh, watch out, watch out. There's lots of things to think about. So let's see, covering any of those. Yeah, we kind of covered about this type of stuff, but we're seeing this more and more in the news. The the video picture clip there, you know, HOA says remove the bench or they will. And obviously elderly man with a cane probably likes to sit on the bench outside, but just getting understanding. Can I put a bench? Uh, Does it need to be removed? Do I have authority to sit out there in the lawn? And, you know, and and then just the the are we running a police state or are we running a community where everybody wants to live and that's that's some of that some of that balance that sure. HOA is Yeah, it it can be hard to balance, you know, here's what the board here's what their duties are and here's what they're mm-hmm. responsible for doing versus Mm-hmm. you know, oh, you know, the poor little man wants to sit on his bench, you know, outside his unit, even though he's not supposed to have that there. That you know, and, yeah. yeah. Yep. So. All um, right. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, um, I was just addressing, you know, we also look for, like, you know, talking about holes and contracts, again, I'll point to the attorney's fees, but other adequate protections for the association. I think, one important thing that comes up and it ties into issues with insurance coverage. Mm -hmm. So like when we do these big repair projects um, that you and I get involved in, um, I like to see an all risk or a builder's risk policy. Mm -hmm. I think that's Mm -hmm. super important because it'll cover damage to not only the building or if it's a non-employee who gets hurt, but also like the construction materials, you know, let's mm-hmm. say they're stolen or let's say there's a wind event and it destroys the materials that you want to install on the building. Well, those aren't covered by the association's insurance and they're not covered usually under the general um, liability policy for the contractor. So it's really important to have those kinds of things um, right. when, when pursuing these, these projects. Uh, to ensure that, um, it, and it covers all parties involved. So it's not just the association, but it's also the contractor. Um, you know, so it's definitely something to negotiate uh, in those situations with the contractor um, to to make sure that there's adequate protections. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Builders risk. Yep. Yes. Okay. Is any of this stuff sounding familiar or do you think you might have an issue? Do you have people climbing up into your attic and climbing across your bedroom ceiling? No, no, I'm sorry. Didn't mean to scare you. So use this link, set up a 15 minute call with me to get uh, some specific advice for your building and it's free. You can use your phone, scan that little QR code, or you can go to learn.j2consultants.com, consultant on call and find a time. So now's the fun Q&A time. Ding, 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 ding. And I see five questions and answers. Oh, okay. We have the first attorney joke. You ready? (laughs) It was so cold that I saw a lawyer with his hands in his own pockets. There you go. The one that comes up is the sharks. Have you heard the sharks? Why sharks don't eat lawyers? 
Professional courtesy. Dun, dun. Yes. Yeah, okay. All right. I won't pick up. All right. The next real question here is from Phil. What is involved with an attorney review of a condo reciting contract? What involvement is expected from the property manager and board managers? And what are the timelines for each party's involvement? Yeah. You want to take, well, take a stab at that? I will. There's there's quite a lot there, so I'm not sure if I'll be able to unpack it completely. Um, you know, so you want to make sure. So what's involved on the attorney's end, I think, is making sure that the provisions are consistent with the what's needing to be repaired. Um, you know, the, the pricing discussed. You know, we talked about adequate protections there. You know, we look for indemnification clauses. We look for proper insurance coverage. We look for uh, commencement dates and, and estimates as in terms of when will this project be completed. Um, and, and then, you know, who will handle, you know, usually the architects involved in like handling a dispute about, um, you know, the each stage, you know, there's, there's inspections and, and those kinds of things, you know, how payments will be handled. Um, you know, what's considered um, project completion. Uh, and then you go through your punch list. Um, so there, there's quite a few things we're looking at right. uh, in terms of, I mean, you know, what's expected of property managers. I think, you know, I think that is just, you know, it's, it's the information between the board and the attorney and, you know, and any information related to the project that they would have that may be necessary. I mean, the attorney would ask for that information. Usually mm -hmm. the attorney is involved so far in advance of that, that it's not, you know, they already have yeah. that information. So or I boards think, that are with it. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I, you know, things come, yeah. things that come to my mind, uh, attorney review of a condo reciting project. So the attorney, are they looking at a dime store contract that's, um, you know, pink, yellow, white, and they've handwritten some things in there? Or are they looking at a, at a nice standard of contracts like an AIA uh, you know, family of contracts? Or is there a reasonable, reasonable you know, homegrown contract that protects both sides? And so there's, is it something they've already looked at before? Is it something that they really have to plow through? And so that, that, would, that would affect all that. What involvement is expected for the property manager? Well, some managers, according to their contract, do or don't review, um, you know, vendor or uh, construction contracts. So double check with that with them. And then some managers take a, you know, I, I can do this. I'm experienced. Others take a, I'm not a lawyer. I'm going to stay in my lane. And so you got to, you got to, you know, find the right people. So timelines, even, you know, uh, a day or two to go through a contract and then, you know, work it into your current schedule. So, but it is a little process because we want the board to be looking at it. We're going to look at it from constructability. We're going to ask the HOA attorney to look at it from condo law and, and uh, governing document angles. And then we want the, the board to really look at it too, because there, there is some talent on the boards. So Hopefully that sure, answers the question. They often come up with some really good questions. Mm -hmm, hey, what does mm -hmm. this mean? Or is this right? I'm concerned about this clause. So yep. it, is, it is really good for the board to be involved, especially. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Next question comes from Coy. Are there common fee structures with HOA attorneys? And what should we try to get negotiated up front? 
I feel like I get charged for every email written to our current attorney, even for general questions that don't require much research. And so, yeah, the fee structure thing we talked a little bit about last month. Uh, this appears that it's a time and cost. So for all the time that is spent, and I, I have to write an email, uh, as opposed to a uh, set fee or a monthly fee, or I'm going to handle all these questions for X amount of price, or, you know, what what type of input would you give on that, Amy? Sure. Um, so for the most part, uh, with community association attorneys, uh, we have hourly rates, um, and those would apply to contested matters. Uh, different rates, though, different hourly rates, though, for collection versus enforcement or mm. maybe a different kind of legal action. Um, you know, so because in uh, the collection work isn't doesn't command as high of a rate as, you mm. know, other other legal matters. Um, we do have flat fee rates for specific collection type of activities, you know, lean, lean recording, lean release fees, um, demand letters that, you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, for the most part, all the other work is based on an hourly rate. Um, I know, you know, it can be frustrating or seem really expensive. Yes, you get charged for, you know, an answer to, you know, in an email or a brief phone call for, you know, asking questions and asking for advice, but we are, you know, setting aside um, you know, the work that we are doing, we're opening up the email and thinking about the question. Sometimes it's a quick reference to the governing documents. Um, but think about doing that throughout the day. You know, we're providing a valid, valuable service to our clients. Mm -hmm. And if we don't charge our time for it, we're not, we have to make money. We have to survive somehow. And that's our sure. part of our, you know, that's our, our legal advice. Um, and, right. and, and you rely on our legal advice. So mm -hmm. um, if we don't give you the correct legal advice, um, that's not a good thing either. And that we can be held accountable for that. So, you know, that is part of our service and, you know, we do charge, charge time for it. Um, yep. You know, so just in terms of negotiating, you know, I think that attorneys do try to provide estimates on what certain projects will cost. It's certain things are difficult, you know, to, to estimate though. I mean, mm -hmm. sometimes you think you're getting into an amendment project that seems fairly straightforward. And then, you know, there's more complications when the gov with the governing documents that you may not, may not have been aware of, um, or just, you know, the board has, um, you know, more things that they pile on. Mm -hmm. And so what, what was estimated versus what is actual, just, it can, you know, it can vary. Um, yep. Yep. Okay. Yeah. But, so, yeah. Talking about those two types of usage yeah. and lump sum fees. So, yeah. And talking to your attorney during that interview question <laughs> or during are. the middle of it. Hey, you know, we're going to be working together for the next six months. I'm tired of feeling like I'm nickel and dime. Can you just charge me a flat rate? And that way I can put it into the budget and we don't have a problem with it. So, yeah. Okay. Next question comes from anonymous. Amy, do you have a standard billing rate available, billing rate list available for relatively standard things? And I think that would be kind of more in the business transactional, you know, wills are 3000, this is 2000, this is 1000. But do you have anything in the condo world of board bylaw revisions? And, and if you do, then it's something that I'm assuming you'd talk to them directly about. But is that right. something that you can kind of put... Yeah. Pricing I can put together, 
Well, yeah, I do have a, like I said, I have a flat fee rate mm -hmm. schedule. It's primarily for collection matters, you know, okay. for amendments and other types of things. I mean, obviously I'd have to review the governing documents to put together an estimate. Um, right. You know, and so that takes a couple of hours. I charge 350 bucks an hour. I mean, just to, you know, just to mm -hmm. kind of, okay, take a look at what I'm getting myself into, mm -hmm. you know, I estimate it's going to cost, you know, between 3,500 and five grand you know, that gotcha. kind of thing. Yep. 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 So you can give a budget. Okay. Right. Great. Uh, let's see. Next question from Eric. Have rental cap restrictions been tested in, in the court system all the way through to removal of a tenant that is renting in violation of a rental cap? So I think what he means there is rental caps are list, you know, capped at 20% of the units. We have 25% of the units. And so Boy, the first question pops up. Okay, which unit is the five percent? <laughs> but I guess that first that first question is uh, rental cap restrictions, and can you evict the tenant who is in violation of that? Yeah, um, honestly, I think it's a little more difficult these days uh, now. Now that we have changes in landlord tenant law that greatly mm -hmm. affect you know, the, the landlord can't evict them, you know, it's going to be difficult for the association to evict them. Um, and essentially, you know, I think there's different approaches and strategies to that. Um, but uh, to get it tested all the way through, um, I, I'm just trying to think if I've ever had a case where I've had to do that. I mean, I've had to evict a tenant, but that was before the law changed. Um, you know, and it's whether the court finds that the governing documents are enforceable, that the the um, restrictions are valid and the association has the right to do it. The procedures were followed. Um, and then, you know, so for example, if the tenants committing waste or they're a nuisance to the community and you can show strong factors that this is, you know, maybe it's not just, it's not just the rental cap, but it's also the um, violations the of tenants. Something. Yeah. yeah. That that can really assist the association, but there, you know, there may be sort of a backdoor mechanism, you know, um, impose fines against the owner, um, you know, and, you know, maybe maybe, you know, they're looking at because they can't keep up with the fines and the things that are going on because they violated. Well, maybe you know, maybe they're in a situation where the unit will be foreclosed. I mean, that sounds really mm -hmm. mean, but strategically, you know, that yeah, might be. So kind of an end end around so it's not necessarily the tenant in court it's the owner being fined to death because the tenant because they're not following bylaws yeah okay well see here's why you should talk to amy okay last question comes from anonymous oh do we have another one no so anonymous is asking about window replacements. And we've talked before about what happens when the board allows or the HOA allows residents to replace their own windows and they do it wrong. And then the third story damages the second story and the first story because water flows downhill. So the question verbatim is, if the HOA allows owners to replace windows, how would they know if they were done right and who is responsible for the walls? And here's an answer I got today from another attorney. Uh, the short answer is that if the HOA is currently responsible for the building envelope, it doesn't really matter what past owners did and how it impacted the envelope. So what are your thoughts on that? I always thought it was risky. And I still, I think it's risky to permit owners to replace windows because, because it does impact 
the building in so many ways um, that could be very negative, not just to that unit um, owner, but the owner maybe below, okay. um, you know, and cause more damage to the building envelope. Um, so really the most effective way to control that is to um, require that, or just the board is, you know, established that that is a, an issue that the association must address and and to do the repair right um yep. because okay. that's the ultimate protection yeah okay all right all right thanks everybody for the questions those are good now we get to go into the giveaways and everybody's excited for this the uh let's see we've got some more j2 brew that's a very nice item but you know now it's starting to get sunny so we've got some j2 sunglasses we've got and I'll call this the Lazy River or Boating uh, Drink Cup. And uh, you'll like it so much that you'll rinse it out and, and save it. So, Amy, do you have any giveaways today? Yeah, I'm going to do a $40 gift card to Starbucks. Nice. All right. Well, why don't you pick <laughs> so, first? So we've got 16 participants. So pick a random number in that list. And what is that? Was that one six? Yes. 16. Okay. <laughs> so pick pick a number and, and everybody's listed out in the webinar thing. And then, then Brooke and Ben will get, reach out to them and send them your gift. What is your oh, number? It's number seven. Number seven. Lucky number seven gets yeah. the $40 Starbucks gift card. That's a good one. Okay. And so you picked seven. I'm going to go 11 for this one. Seven and 11 are the winners today. So we've done the giveaways and stay tuned. Uh, if you're one of those numbers, Brooke will chat you and get your address and things like that necessary to get your prize. All right. So did you know we have free resources for boards and managers? Just more of this stuff. Go to learn.j2consultants.com slash resources. On YouTube, we have over 300 videos and uh, we can answer a lot of your frequently asked questions. And don't forget, we'll be back next month, 3.30, last Tuesday of every month. Scan here, invite your friends, April 25th. We will be training your residents so you don't have to. It'll be a general uh, general thing. I don't, I don't know that I'll have guests next, next time. We're going to be talking about things all condo owners should know. So just very broad, broad, uh, things, but following up on our questions. And then the following month, April, May, we talked about bad behavior this time and May is mental health awareness month. And we're going to be doing, we're going to have some licensed counselors on to, talk about how we deal with mental health issues that we're seeing and to steer the conversation away from policing and cracking down to how do we help these people? How do, how do we communicate well? How do we create a community that we want to be proud of being a part of? And, and that's, you know, sometimes bringing along people that need some extra help. So that'll be a fun one too. All right. Thank you, Amy. Here's Amy's contact information again. Do you have any parting words? Hey, I just want to thank you again for having me on. It's been a lot of fun and it's, I do enjoy working with my boards and property managers and, and, uh, you know, solving whether it's difficult or fun, pro you know, problems. It's always very interesting for me. So I really do enjoy that. And I hope the information today was helpful. All right. Thank you again. And thanks everybody. Have a great rest of the afternoon.